Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know medical care requires informed consent, but laws require informed consent. Politics, entrepreneurship, how you engage with your diet, health, exercise, even relationships. These all require a place of being informed. And I am so sick of being called a conspiracy theorist for using my brain and being informed. So that's where this podcast came to life. This is Informed Consent. I'm your host, Brooke Brewer. Let's start talking. Welcome back, everybody, to another week of Informed Consent. I hope you guys enjoyed my quick little surprise addition to our vaccine conversation series going over the Tdap. And I hope for those of you that had questions on that vaccine that I was able to help guide you in the right direction. We're going to pick back up just going over informed consent on other important topics. Like I had shared, I don't believe informed consent just stops when it comes to vaccines. We have so many important topics that I truly feel deserve an informed consent. We talked about artificial dyes and food coloring and how we aren't informed enough on those. And yet they are in our day-to-day products. And we truly don't think to look into how they can affect us. And so I want to continue that conversation and series. And today talking about the conversation of fevers, acetaminophen, Tylenol, and glutathione. Yes, these are all very different subjects, but they are all very, very similar subjects and they all have to do with one another. The conversation of fevers is, is I truly believe, the most important because the conversation of fevers then tends to lead to acetomyofin, which leads to Tylenol, which is essentially kind of the same thing, and then leads into the conversation of glutathione and how important that is. And all of this, I truly would believe, wouldn't be such a confusion if the conversation of fevers wasn't so confusing. We are taught to fear fevers. We are taught that fevers are bad and that if anyone has a fever, we need to reduce that fever. And that is, that is what needs to happen and that we're not supposed to have fevers and we need to fear them. And I want to talk about that. Talk about, should we really fear fevers? What to look out for when it comes to fevers? What we should be aware of with fevers? Should we truly fear them? But before we talk about fevers, I do feel it's important to add that I am not a doctor and I am not recommending, prescribing, or telling you what to do or you should not do. I always, always encourage you to consult with a medical professional in regards to fevers. Getting that out of the way, let's quickly dive into one of my favorite sponsors and one of my favorite products that I have been taking recently. So I just recently shared about a mineral supplement that I have been taking, and I've had a lot of questions about what exactly that is that I'm taking, because listen, guys, water is so important. I'm a firm believer that water is important, but the more water that we drink, especially if it is filtered water to filter out toxic substances, such as fluoride, you're also most likely depleting the minerals. And we are such a mineral deficient society and culture today compared to what we used to be. And therefore 
we have a lot of health concerns. And so taking a mineral supplement is so important. And I want to talk about the mineral supplement that I have been taking. It is called Revitalize, and it truly is incredible. Revitalize is a supplement that has trace minerals from the Sundance Sea. It's got shilat from the Himalayan mountains and vitamins that help fill the nutritional gaps. It's also caffeine free. And I just actually mix this right with my water. And it reminds me of like a crystal light, but without all of the junk. Aside from the incredible benefits of minerals, I want to take a minute and talk about the shilat. And I'm probably butchering how we pronounce this, but this is an absolute incredible mineral and the benefits are insane. It's incredible for aging. It's a great supplement that helps with overall vitality and slower aging process. It helps with fatigue. It helps improve cellular function, which means it may reduce fatigue at at the source and increase energy levels naturally. It's incredible for male fertility and testosterone. It has been shown to help increase male fertility, and it's been shown that men actually taking this supplement showed an increase in total sperm count and sperm modally, or how many and how well the sperms move towards the egg, both of which are factors in male fertility. It helps with brain function and may even help in Alzheimer's therapy. It's an antiviral. It's great for heart health and even lowering blood pressure. And there's been early studies showing that this actually helps to fight against certain types of cancer cells. So this is an incredible supplement. If you are not taking a shallot supplement and minerals, I highly recommend them. And if you are interested in this one specifically revitalize, it's got your minerals and that shallot. And if you want to try the supplement, it's super easy to get. You can just go to modere.com. That's M-O-D-E-R-E.com. Search for Revitalize. And if you use code 4842132 at checkout, you'll actually save $10 off of your first order. According to the Mayo Clinic, a fever is a temporary rise in body temperature. It is one part of the overall response from the body's immune system. A fever is usually caused by infections. So we know that a fever is the rise in body temperature. And even the Mayo Clinic states that it is a part of the overall response of our body's immune system, which is absolutely true. What I truly feel isn't fully educated on is the fact that fevers are good. Over the last few years, maybe even decades, it seems that we have drawn so much further away from trusting our bodies, from trusting our body's natural immune system. And we have become so much more dependent on outside sources to help us like medications and pain relievers and in this situation, fever reductions. But fevers were designed by God for a purpose. Fevers are good. Think about it like this. The immune system is a muscle and needs to be exercised as such. Fevers is your immune system flexing its muscles. Fevers allow your immune system to function at a greater level. It's the way the immune system responds to fend off infection and strengthen the body. Our normal body temperature is prime condition for harmful bacteria and viruses to replicate and infiltrate our healthy cells in optimum fashion. Bacteria and viruses both die at different temperatures. 
your body raises to a correct temperature to eliminate the bacteria or virus. Fevers rise and break in waves throughout the day and night, sometimes over several days, as good bacteria that's helping you fight doesn't die along with the invader. As your body's temperature rises, your CD8 plus cytotoxic T cells rise. There's a special lymphocyte that destroys cancerous cells and cells infected with viruses. Neutrophilus also rises with fever. They're unique cells that selectively target infected bacterial cells. If your temperature rises more than what your brain can handle, yes, you can have a seizure. A brief seizure will not cause permanent damage. It's a built-in reset feature. This was a breakdown from Ivy Press out of the American Academy of Pediatrics. What does this technically mean? Our body's natural immune system reaction to an infection or a bacteria or a viral infection, may that be, is to increase the body's temperature. When your body has an infection or has a reaction and has a fever, it's your body trying to fight off invaders. Fevers is your body in its healing state. A fever is helping your body heal in a natural way. It fights infections. It slows bacteria and viruses. It increases your blood cell soldiers. It increases acute phase response. It helps you recover quickly. It protects the body and does not cause harm. Let's take a minute and and play a game here. Let's make the myth busters of fevers. So the first is that all fevers are bad for children. That is a myth, my friends. Fevers turn on the body's immune system. They help the body fight infection. Normal fevers between 100 degrees and 104 degrees are good for sick children. Myth buster number two, fevers above 104 degrees are dangerous and they can cause brain damage. The truth is that fevers with infections don't cause brain damage. Only temperatures above 108 degrees Fahrenheit can actually cause brain damage. It is very rare for the body temperature to climb this high. It only happens if the air temperature is very high. An example is a child left in a closed car during a hot weather. Very interesting because we are taught that super high fevers are damaging. And in fact, super, super high fevers almost always are nothing to do with an infection, rather the air temperature. Myth number three, anyone can have a seizure triggered by a fever. And that the truth of that is only 4% of children can actually have a seizure with a fever. Myth, another myth. The exact number of the temperature is very important. That is not true. How your child acts and looks is what is important. The exact temperature is not what is important. These are all Facts proven by the Seattle Children's Hospital. I will link the links of all of these in the show notes. So if fevers are good for you, then why do we instantly run to things like Tylenol for our kids? Like things like Tylenol or pain relievers when our children have fevers. When 
if you really were truly informed on Tylenol and specifically acetaminophen, would you think twice? I am not saying that the fear around fevers is because of the sale of a medication. But again, like I always say, I don't believe in coincidences. Acetaminophen is the active ingredient in Tylenol. So again, like I said, the two are very related. But the most frequently used medication in kids in the United States is Tylenol or acetaminophen ingredient. Let me say that again. The most frequently used medication in kids in the United States. Crazy. So this this fear that we have around fevers and yet the most frequently used medication are very connected. Your doctor will send you home from a checkup. Maybe you got your vaccines and they'll tell you if your child spikes a fever, go ahead and just give them some Tylenol. Or is your baby teething? Go ahead and give them some Tylenol. Are you truly informed on what is in that Tylenol? Did you know that 14% of children are treated with acetaminophen every single week and among hospitalized kids, 40% receive acetaminophen? This is an astronomical amount of acetaminophen that is given to our children. What are the risks that we're not being told? Number one, acetaminophen directly depletes glutathione stores in the liver. Glutathione, we're going to get into it in more detail, but it is the body's head housekeeper and ultimate handyman. It tidies up mess it tidies up messes aka free radicals takes out the trash aka binds with toxins so they can be eliminated and repairs and damages and maintains good working order aka your cellular health low levels of glutathione are associated with pretty much every health problem the immune system cannot properly function if there is low levels of glutathione In fact, according to the FDA, acetaminophen toxicity is the leading cause of liver failure, which is accounted for half of the acute liver failure episodes. In 2011, the FDA ordered prescription acetaminophen makers to include a black box warning on labels highlighting the risk of severe liver injury. So, The active ingredient in a medication given to reduce fevers depletes glutathione, which is one of the most abundant antioxidants manufactured by the human body. It is the master of fighting off free radicals. Let's let's talk about glutathione for a moment. So our bodies produce a beautiful antioxidant called glutathione, which is a combination of three amino acids found in the body, cysteine, glycine, and glutamine. Yes, this antioxidant production in our body naturally declines with age. It it can also be reduced by poor nutrition, environmental toxins, such as acetaminophen and stress. In addition to being produced naturally by the body, glutathione can also be given intraversely, topically, or as an inhalant. 
what are some of the benefits of glutathione and healthy glutathione levels in the body? Number one, it helps to reduce oxidative stress. Oxidative stress occurs when there's an imbalance between the production of free radicals and the body's ability to fight them off. When our body is under oxidative stress, it is a precursor to multiple diseases on top of just being unhealthy. Some of these diseases include things like diabetes, cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, even just fatigue, decreased energy levels, depression, mental health disorders. There was actually an article in the Journal of Cancer Science and Therapy that states that glutathione deficiency leads to increased levels of oxidative stretch, stress, which might lead to cancer. Another benefit of glutathione is that it is the only antioxidant that recycles itself after it has neutralized a free radical. So our body can naturally recycle it. It recycles ingested antioxidants as well, including vitamin C and vitamin E, as well as alpha lipoic acid after they have been utilized. It protects the DNA in the nucleus of the cells. It protects the mitochondria DNA of the cell. It is the first line of protection against environmental and chemical toxins. And it is one of the most known to man protection agents of heavy metals. We live in a world full of heavy, heavy metals. And unfortunately, we can't avoid them. They're in our water supply. They're in our foods. They are in our vaccines. They are in our makeups, our skincare. So as you deplete the levels of glutathione, you make it that much harder for your body to protect you from those heavy metals. And this is something that I will never understand is our doctors after vaccines will tell you if your child spikes a fever to give them acetomyofin, which reduces glutathione levels. And those glutathione levels are exactly what you need to fight off the heavy metals that are in vaccines. I am not saying that you shouldn't get vaccines, but what I am going to give some advice on is if you are going to get vaccines, your child should be on a glutathione supplement or eating glutathione rich foods to help them fight off the heavy metals that are in vaccines. That is not a conspiracy theory. It is in the vaccine insert that there is heavy metals in vaccines. And if you choose to go that route, Depleting glutathione levels with Tylenol is one of the worst things you can do for eliminating those heavy metals from the body, but then also fighting off that oxidative stress and your body, your body is supposed to be stressed with a vaccine that's quote unquote, supposed to help with their immune response. I just, I've never understood why the two go together. Acetomyofin that depletes glutathione levels so heavily. Where can you get where can you get glutathione? It, it's found in some foods, although unfortunately cooking and pasteurization diminishes those levels very, very significantly. Its highest concentrations of glutathione levels are in raw or very, very rare meat, because again, that cooking um, does diminish the level significantly unpasteurized milk. So raw milk has a lot of glutathione levels in there. Freshly picked fruits and vegetables, organic vegetables and fruits, such as avocados and asparagus. 
glutathione contains sulfur molecules, which may be why foods high in sulfur helps to boost its natural production in the body. These foods could include eggs, nuts, legumes, lean protein, such as as fish and chicken, vegetables such as garlic and onions, different herbs, including flaxseed, milk thistles, and even gusso seaweed. Glutathione is also very negatively affected by insomnia. If you are not getting proper sleep, your glutathione levels will decrease. So what is the takeaway? Glutathione is a powerful antioxidant that is made in the body's cells and its levels decrease as a result of aging, stress, and toxin exposure. Boosting glutathione levels may provide health benefits, including reduction of oxidative stress. And we know the damage that oxidative stress has on the body. So glutathione is so important. In fact, it is one of my most favorite supplements to make sure I'm taking in the sense of a natural production that or a supplement that helps my body increase those glutathione levels. Because as we know, as those get lower, as the glutathione in the body decreases, we have a lot of other problems. So going back to the risks of Tylenol or acetomyofen, on top of the depletion of glutathione, the ingredients. Let's talk about children's Tylenol ingredients for a moment. Some of the ingredients are artificial colors and dyes, which is linked to cancer, hyperactivity, and neural inflammation. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. High fructose corn syrup. Do I really need to go more into it from there? Propylene glycol. It's linked to central nervous system toxicity, agitation, and cardiac arrhythmia. Sorbitol. It's a genetically modified ingredient that causes GI distress. Sodium benzenate, it's a synthetic preservative that can produce benzene, which is a known carcinogen. Natural flavors, well, we don't even know what that could be because that could come from a huge range of things. On top of Tylenol that's given to children, no one seems to talk much about the connection with pregnancy and what that can have on the child. So a 2019 NIH-funded study suggests that at acetylmyofin, exposure in pregnancy is linked to higher risk of ADHD and autism. Did you know that they push this medication on pregnant women if they're in pain because they claim it's safe? But, But is it safe? Here's the thing. We give Tylenol to our children or to adults or to pregnant women just to help the little bit of uncomfortness of pain. And yes, especially when we are looking at our children with a fever, it might look like they are uncomfortable. But we intentionally decreasing a fever when our bodies are actually needing that fever to fight off whatever it is trying to fight off. It will only keep coming back once the medication is worn off. Fevers are your body working hard to get rid of what it's attacking. So when it comes to helping with fevers, 
We need to fight it off. Yes. But how can we fight it off? Well, let's talk about it. Hydration. Fevers very, very, very quickly can lead to hydration, which is a huge concern of fevers. So it is crucial that the child stays hydrated when they have a fever or you as the individual having the fever. If they can't drink water, make sure they're getting in breast milk, organic juice, raw milk, etc. Another incredible support for fever fevers that is natural is actually the socks soaked in apple cider vinegar. The acid in apple cider vinegar can help to naturally reduce a fever because what it does is it draws out the heat while also replenishing some minerals lost during the process. Soak a pair of socks in an apple cider vinegar and a bowl of apple cider vinegar until they are wet and apply these to your children's feet. When they have dried, take them off and repeat. Another incredible natural fever reducer, especially for children, is skin to skin with your mom, skin to skin with the mom. Especially when the child's very young, skin to skin can help the brother, can help the mother try to regulate blood temperature. Rest. One of the actual most important tools that you can use to reduce a fever is rest. Allowing the children to lay in bed, sleep as often as they want, and not move around too much is going to help the body do its job, which is fighting off what it's getting attacked by. What are some natural and safe alternatives to acetaminophen? So if you in specific are looking for something to help with the pain or the uncomfortableness, rather than the focus of helping the body fight off whatever it's trying to fight off, what are some other options? So I guess let me backtrack. I want to first state this. What are some common over-the-counter brands that can contain acetaminophen outside of Tylenol? We have Dayquil, Nike, we have Dayquil, NyQuil, Vicks, Vapor Rub, Teraflu, Benadryl, Midol, etc. These are all other acetaminophen, including medications outside of just the typical Tylenol. And this is all sorts of Tylenol, the pain and flu, the sinus, the children and infants, the arthritic pain, the extra strength, the PM, whatever it may be, any sort of Tylenol and all of the other things I shared have acetaminophen, but going back. So what are some other safe alternatives to acetaminophen outside of just for pain relief specifically. So peppermint essential oil, peppermint essential oil provides muscle pain relief, and it actually works as a natural energizer and fever reducer. You can apply peppermint oil actually down the spine that helps to lower the body temperature or even on the bottom of the feet. I also like to use peppermint myself if I have headaches or anything like that, because it has a great cooling sensation. My biggest recommendation when it comes to essential oils is make sure that you are using a good quality branch, like everything that we talk about. Please don't go to Bed Bath & Beyond and buy a $2 bottle of peppermint and wonder why it's not helping you with anything. Make sure you know where that company is growing their peppermint oil, how they are sourcing it, and if they are diluting it with any other products. Number two, another Alternative to acetaminophen per Dr. Axe is aloe vera. Aloe vera helps to reduce inflammation that can lead to pain. It can help to heal wounds and burns and helps to boost the immune system. It can be taken in a capsule or applied directly to the skin. Number three is ginger. Ginger is another safer alternative to acetaminophen. 
The gingerol present in ginger is a highly potent antioxidant and anti-inflammatory agent. It eases digestion, prevents bacterial and fungal infections, and reduces pain. You can eat raw ginger, make ginger tea, add ginger powder to your smoothie, or even use ginger essential oil. Number four, turmeric. Turmeric is such an incredible incredible alternative to acetaminophen. Turmeric has a really powerful healing property when it's ingested or actually even applied to the skin. It reduces inflammation and fights pain naturally. It can be used as a natural treatment for arthritis or can, or even it can help to support brain health and memory. Turmeric, in fact, is a supplement that I actually take daily and use daily more even as a preventative, but it is just, it's so incredible for body inflammation. Another safe alternative is a liver cleanse. A natural liver cleanse removes toxins from the body, which can be important after ingesting acetaminophen. Liver cleanse actually also help to destroy old red blood cells, break down and metabolize medications and alcohol, remove toxins from the blood, regulates blood composition, and also can help your body start producing more glutathione levels. Other things outside of acetaminophen relief ingredients Aside from these for the actual pain relief, I want to go back to what you can do in the situation of a fever. So we talked about the apple cider vinegar, the hydration, the rest. Some other things that you can do is elderberry syrup or kombucha. So elderberry syrup is incredible for the body to help them fight off colds and flus. I actually myself take elderberry during the winter months when our bodies are more prone to colds and flus, more of as a preventative, but elderberry is very, very, very wonderful for the body's immune system. Kombucha is a Kombucha is something that is great for the gut health. We talk about the gut health all the time on this show and your microbiome levels. If you have a healthy gut, you will have a healthy body. And kombucha really, really helps with the good bacteria in our body. Guys, we need the good bacteria, not just no bacteria. We want bacteria. We want the bad out and the good in. And kombucha helps with that as well as natural probiotics. Make sure you are taking a daily probiotic. And if you are feeling under the weather, increase those probiotics, friends. You can take more than just the one capsule every day when you aren't feeling good. That's the thing that I do. If I'm not feeling good, I take multiple, multiple capsules of my probiotic making sure you up your vitamin C, your vitamin A and your vitamin D, even your vitamin E. If you are feeling under the weather, or if you have a fever, just always, always, always make sure they are from a non-genetically modified source. They are organic and they come from a company that is very transparent and that you can trust. Sweating it out is another wonderful technique. Saunas, infrared saunas are incredible for you. They help you sweat it out. And yes, sweating it out is good. You know, they say that going and having a workout is, is incredible for when you're sick. Obviously, we know exercise is great in general, but it is great for you when you aren't feeling good. When you have fevers, dressing in a lot of clothes to force your body to sweat it out, that's not a myth. Helping to sweat is wonderful, but I want to reiterate that that dehydration component, don't let it sweat it out and not hydrate yourself overly, overly hydrate. If you are especially going with the sweat it out approach, 
Bone broth, especially bone broth that has lots of garlic and a hearty layer of fat is incredible for you as well, especially if a child is able to eat um, and consume foods outside of breast milk. This is a great, great, great thing to give them. Activated charcoal also is another incredible ingredient that helps to strip out any unwanted toxins in the body. So if you feel that that fever is from maybe an agitation in the body, let's say from a vaccine, activated charcoal is is great to help help to pull those toxins out of the body. When you have a fever, some things to avoid, stay away from processed foods and sugar. Stay away from those. Those will just add more inflammation to the body and will make it harder for your body to fight whatever it's trying to fight. Cinnamon is an anti-inflammatory and it can help relieve pain. It's also super yummy to taste. So cinnamon essential oil, or even putting cinnamon in foods. Like I always love oatmeal with some cinnamon in that oatmeal to help me when I don't feel good. Cause it's also a very easy thing to eat. When you have a fever, when should you go to the hospital? So I want to quickly wrap up by saying that again, I shared, I am not a doctor, so please consult the medical professional, but when should you go to the hospital in regards to a fever and not try to take more of a natural route? Number one, if the high fever has a headache, a stiff neck, or the inability to touch the chin to the chest, that's of large concern. Number two, there is dehydration. That's obvious when you see dry lips, dry mouth, or even no urination for six hours. That is a sign of dehydration. You need to go to the hospital. Another big sign is if the rectal temperature of someone less than two months old is greater than 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit. Again, that's rectal temperature. That is another cause to go to the hospital. But this fever phobia needs to end. And, and I wish we were more fully informed on fevers because fevers are not something to fear. You do not need to run for Tylenol the second your child has a fever. There was a study done in 2015, I will link it in the show notes, where there is mounting evidence that the increase of one to four degrees in core body temperature that occurs during fever is associated with improved survival and resolution of many infections. The use of something like Tylenol or Motrin will diminish fevers that correlates with a 5% increase in death in human populations infected with influenza virus and negatively affects patients' outcomes in the intensive care unit. Let me, let me repeat that. Using a simple over-the-counter drug like Tylenol could increase the chance of death in a child by 5%. It's crazy. Nothing bad is going to happen if you don't treat a safe fever. People fear fevers because they instantly hear scary words such as seizures, brain damage, and death. And and no wonder parents are scared because that's all doctors will push and they'll instantly recommend treatment. The truth is that fevers are very, very rarely dangerous. I am not advocating that you don't do what you think is best for your child. 
If you truly feel that what you do to help with your child's fever is good, then please go ahead and do that. If you feel more comfortable giving your child Tylenol, please do that. I am not here to tell you how to live your life. My goal of this show, and as I've always shared, is to help you remove some of those fears that really shouldn't be there. Fears that we are pushed on by our doctors or by people of power that really have no substantial backings behind them. And unfortunately, you tend to see where the fear comes from, and then you tend to see a dollar sign behind that fear. I see fear of fevers, and I go to Tylenol or acetaminophen, and that is the most prescribed or given medication. You don't think that has a huge money trail? It's our jobs to watch our children and work through these natural immune responses. Let the body do what God designed it to do. God did not design acetomyofin to treat us from our fevers. And like I shared, that is not treating anything. It's just taking away the uncomfortness for a couple hours and then it comes back. I don't know about you guys, but I would rather get to the root of the problem and not have an issue again than just have this problem come back every few hours and give that your body that much longer of a time to work. Our immune systems are incredible. And if we really just let our immune systems work, we will be better in the long run. We will be better at fighting off more intense diseases or more intense problems. At the end of the day, you're going to do what you need to do. But I want to wrap up this show by just sharing. If you're a child or you have a fever, take a deep breath and don't panic. The body is truly amazing. You just have to let it work. Reviews on the show are everything. And I truly appreciate every review that I get as that is what helps this podcast. I want to share a recent review that I got on Apple Podcasts. If you just go to Apple Podcasts, scroll to the bottom, you'll see a spot to rate. You can throw me a couple stars. And if you would be ever so kind to actually write me a review, I would greatly appreciate that. And this review was from CMPPMC. And they said, listen to this. If you are a parent or a caregiver, you need to listen to this podcast. The information that Brooke gives is life-saving, and I am not being dramatic. No one should blindly follow the CDC or their pediatrician without doing their own diligence and research, and Brooke makes this task amazingly easy. We need more free thinkers like Brooke. Thank you so much for that review. And again, if you could take a moment, if you have not given me a review yet and give me a review, I would greatly appreciate that. Thank you all so much for listening. I will be back next week with another topic that we need to be more informed on. I hope you are enjoying these conversations. And if you have any questions or concerns or even have any recommendations, please go ahead and shoot those over to me via Instagram. My Instagram is at brookbrewer20 and just hop into my DMs. I read all of my DMs. If there's something that you want me to cover or you want more elaboration on, I'm always looking for recommendations to 
help provide you guys with the information that you're striving for. So thanks again for tuning in guys. And I will see you next week.